Hello, my name is Grace, and I will be having a conversation with Tiffany for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is April 29th, 2017, and this is being recorded at Sage Midtown. Hi, Tiffany. Hello. So um, let me put the recorder somewhere it will catch you. There we go. And um, I'd love to know a little bit about, bit about where you're from. Let's see. I'm from uh, uh, my, I was born uh, at uh, Eliza Coffin Memorial Hospital in Florence, Alabama uh, on January 17th, 1985. And did you stay in Alabama? I lived in Alabama for 32 years. Most of my life. Yeah. So, um, are there any experiences growing up that you remember particularly strongly? Uh, my first very strong uh, memory, and not particularly a very good one, but uh, one that a lot of people ask me about is uh, the scar on my right foot. Uh, it's my very most, one of my most vivid memories. Uh, that was actually done, uh, let's say, July or August of 1988. My father accidentally ran over my foot with a lawnmower. I didn't feel a thing. But yeah, a lot of people have the same reaction you just gave me. Like, ow! I do remember I had to relearn how to walk because of that accident. Um, so did you, what, what part of your family did you grow up with? Who was in your family besides you? Let's see, at, let's see, uh, at that particular point in time, it was my mom and my dad. I have uh, two younger siblings, uh, my, both my brothers, Matthew and Cody are their names. And uh, during my childhood, we lived right across the driveway from my paternal grandparents. And then up in the main town of Haleville, which is my hometown, uh, was my maternal grandparents. I had, let's uh, say my uncle, my paternal uncle, lived at home with his parents. And then I had a maternal aunt and uncle that, uh, they lived in Haleville for a while before moving to a neighboring town called Hamilton. And I have a couple of cousins with them. Other than that, I have cousins all over the place. A lot of them live in Arkansas, some live in Georgia, some, uh, one or two live in California. Uh, none live as far north as New York City. <laughs> were you um, friendly with your cousins growing up that were nearby? Eh, on and off. A lot of them kind of went their own separate ways. A lot of them kind of conformed to their parents' beliefs. Uh, I imagine by now a lot of them that don't know about me have found out and are probably spitting neutrons about me right now. And so what was your town like growing up? Can you describe it? Town of Haleville, Alabama is a, it's the largest town in Winston County of Alabama. Uh, not the county seat, but it's still the largest town. Uh, around 
a population of around 4,000, maybe just under that. Uh, it's grown a little bit since I was a child, but let's just say it's a town that's very politicky. Uh, a lot of the, especially back then, a lot of the city council and the mayor especially, they were business owners in town and hated when big businesses started rolling in. That's part of why Hayville stagnated and a lot of the people I knew had just up and fled the town. The only people that are staying behind is uh, people over the age of 50 and uh, a lot of the young that are southern bumpkins as the term goes. Um, what was your impression of the town growing up? Was it, Did you know any of that when you were young? It's deeply religious. Uh, you can't go uh, two blocks without seeing a church. Uh, in particular, Southern Baptist. Uh, it's the predominant uh, religion of Winston County. Uh, a church on every street corner. Uh, like, uh, I didn't believe this at first, but uh, let's say the county of Winston County has like a population of, let's say 6,000 people total, most of them living in Haleville. There's about 200 churches in the entire county, half of them in Haleville alone. Was your family religious? Yes, uh, especially my paternal, my paternal grandparents, both, both sets of my grandparents, but especially my paternal grandparents. My paternal grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher uh, for many years, who also worked as a uh, local mailman. And of course, I was also a churchgoer back then, because this was like long before I ever got right with myself. Just about everybody went to church. Those that didn't go to church were pretty much declared heathens, stuff like that. So you mentioned earlier in the training that you love science fiction, Star Trek particularly. Yes. Um, when did that start? Very young. I was pretty much a, sci a science fiction fan right out of the womb. Uh, it started with Star Trek, but I also enjoyed Star Wars as well. Uh, then later in my life, I got into Battlestar Galactica and uh, Babylon 5 and all that stuff. Uh, but still, Star Trek remains the, the first love, uh, followed closely by Star Wars. Was there anyone else in your life who shared that interest? Uh, my mother and my maternal grandfather. Uh, as well as both my brothers. They enjoyed them too. Uh, my father was a little on and off about it. I mean, sometimes he would be, sometimes he wouldn't. Were you closer with your mother because of that? Or? Uh, I'm going to have to go a little on the fence on that one because uh, uh, my parents divorced uh, when I was in elementary school. So it was basically... Uh, a lot of bouncing between them uh, as I was growing up. Uh, for a while, I was, say after the divorce, I was living, we were living with my, our dad, and then our house, our, the house we were living in, uh, 
burnt to the burnt to the ground, complete loss. That was like late fall of '94. How old were you? I was in fourth grade, so that was a, between the ages of ten and eleven, I would say. And that's just gonna give or take a year. And then uh, we had to move in with my well, our mother and Russell. So you can imagine the the wounds, especially right after their bitter divorce. Mm-hmm. And then once we moved to Russell uh, and got settled living in our new environment, uh, uh, my mom and dad had split ways again. Uh, my father moved in a, an apartment with some buddies of his from work, and my mother got an apartment of her own, and we ended up staying with our mom uh, for the better part of the year. And then it was especially hard on her because she worked as a, uh, as a debona in a chicken plant overnights. So especially during the, sum, the summer school break, uh, me and my brothers, we'd be home, we'd be home not alone, but uh, our mother would be asleep all day because she worked all night, leaving us to our own devices. And then basically the only person that would be there with us at night when we were sleeping was our father. And it got too much of a strain on her. So at her encouragement, we ended up moving in with our father after his roommates had moved out and got places of their own. So we lived with our father for, I'd say, about a good three years until some until an incident uh, happened. Uh, I don't want to go into that if we can. But uh, it forced us to move out of our father's and move, move back in with our mother. And I remained, that I, I stayed with my mom for until I was about halfway through my senior year of high school. Then uh, we had a falling out and I ended up moving in with my grandparents, my paternal grandparents. And where were they located? Uh, in Haleville, Alabama. Okay. Uh, so back to your, where you were back born. Back to my original hometown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what was, um, what was high school like, moving back and forth? And well, I did junior high school at a small town, in a small town called Lynn. Uh, yeah, during my seventh grade year of uh, junior high school, uh, I started in a, little, in a little school called Belgreen in Franklin County. Uh, it was a little podunk town between uh, Russellville and Red Bay. And uh, my father had made the decision to buy a trailer, a, a new house for us to move into, and he made the decision to move it back on the original property where the first house was that burned down back in 94. Uh, so we moved in there, and uh, of course I wanted to go back to my first school of Haleville, uh, of Haleville. but uh, there was no school bus that ran down the road that we lived on. So uh, he, but instead we ended up going to Lynn, which was about six miles from our house, and a bus for that school ran right in front of our house. So it was a matter of convenience for him to go to a smaller school that didn't have as much as Haleville did. Uh, so, but I did a couple of years at uh, Lynn High, and then when bad business went down at my, at my father's, we ended up moving in with our mother, and I returned and 
to Haleville High and actually finished where I started school in the first place. I was just happy to graduate high school with uh, my original group of friends, the people I knew from when I was a child. Yeah, I was going to ask about your friends. Um, what were they like? Uh, I had a pretty big spectrum of friends. Uh, most of them have well moved on. I haven't kept touch with most of them since we graduated. Uh, a few hung around, but most of them just scattered to the winds. Uh, a lot of them were pretty well nice. Uh, a lot of them were also very religious, especially because of the town. Uh, one of my friends was actually the daughter of the high school principal, <laughs> so you can imagine that. Uh, the odd thing was most of my friends were uh, female uh, at the time. Uh, I didn't have very many male friends. Uh, a lot of them uh, took the opportunity to pick on me. So the girls kind of took, in, in, I guess from my point of view, they kind of took pity on me and uh, brought me under their wing. And I was actually friends with a lot of cheerleaders, despite the fact that I was... I was this chubby, overweight guy, if you'll pardon me for using the term, uh, who had more book sense than street smarts. And I was hanging around the cool kids. Uh, like all the cheerleaders, but not the football team, though. I wasn't around them, I was around all the cheerleaders. Uh, well, until I graduated, most of my friends were ended up on the cheerleading squad. So that was definitely a unique experience. Yeah. Could you tell that you were a part of the cool kids? Was uh, I could tell very quickly that I was getting in with the popular crowd. Uh, even though I, uh, by all intents and purposes, did not belong in the popular crowd. But I like to think that my, uh, my brain and my association with uh, the few that basically took me under their wing to get me away from the bullies, as it were, to uh, get into the popular crowd. Yeah. Um, so what did you do after you graduated high school, and was that different from what other folks did? Where uh, uh, that depends on who you ask. Uh, my graduating class at high school was actually some of the smartest people uh, the town had ever seen. Uh, we were also the smallest class. Uh, the class before us, class of 2002, had like 120 students that graduated. The class behind us, class of 24, class of 2004, excuse me, uh, had like 140 students. My class was a class of 91. Uh, so we were the smallest class in recent history. Uh, there were so many of us in the class with the same GPA that they had to drag it out to X amount of decimal places just to rank us. Uh, a lot of us had 3.9s, including yours truly. Uh, so they had to drag it out so far just to place us. I ended up placing 11 out of 91. Uh, and that's how they determined the valedictorian and salutatorian was they had to drag it out to so many decimal places because we had like three with 4.0s. So a lot, but anyway, a lot of us we all went off to a community college or full-on colleges and universities. A few of my friends uh, 
had, were sick and tired of school, so they went either they went into the workforce or just moved on to bigger and better things. I went to uh, I started with community college uh, when I originally thought I was going to be an engineer, and then I did a I did a I tried to do about a year at a university level, but I fell into depression and realized that that's not what I wanted to do. I ended up dropping out of college and became a sales clerk at a retail store in my hometown for seven and a half years until they gave me the boot back in 2014. And then I made the decision in early 2015 to go back to school and finish my associate's degree. And then uh, I moved, to, you know, moved back to the university setting to become a mathematics teacher. And then that's when I came, when I came out about myself, uh, back in 2016. Uh, but that's another story altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine we'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, yeah, just in a little. Um, and so you finished community, you finished, you got your degree in mathematics education in Alabama? Is that true? No. That's uh, not true. I did not finish uh, my bachelor's degree. Okay. Uh, I was on my way doing mm. that when I right. came out, and right. with the environment that Alabama's in, uh, I just decided to leave it behind for mm. the time being mm -hmm. until I get my life sorted out. Absolutely. Well, are you open to sharing what some of that experience has been like for you? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, where would you like me to start on that one? Wherever you feel comfortable. I mean, some people talk about coming out as okay. a moment, as something else. I just want to hear your understanding. Okay. Well, uh, I knew something was different about me. Uh, starting at around the age of 13, uh, after I had had my first girlfriend uh, back in junior high school, we had, we parted ways because she moved, she moved away, and I was left at Lamb High. The summer after that, I was 13 years old, I knew something was different. I couldn't quite put my finger on it at the time, but I found myself gravitating towards women's clothing. And of course, like any young boy at the time, uh, they, they go through, they rummage through their mother's uh, private things. And I did that for in secret for a little for a little bit, but then I immediately shelved it because I was a big church goer at the time. I another part of my brain was like, "This is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this." Like, like it just shut that down, put a stop to it, uh, and it didn't resurface until I was in my senior year when I finally. Uh, started realizing that me being male was no longer right, that I was female. But instead of uh, coming out about it like most people do uh, nowadays, especially given the fact that most of my family were super ultra-conservative uh, Christian fundamentalists, I chose to run and hide. I end up leaving, my, uh, moving out of my mother's uh, 
as I mentioned earlier, I had a falling out with her. That was over money. Uh, that's just what triggered me moving out. The true reason was because she was a she was a little more liberal than most of the rest of my family was, and uh, uh, she would have been more willing to listen to it and entertain it and help me come to terms with it, whereas the rest of the family would not be, especially my grandparents, whose opinion really mattered to me at the time. Uh, now I don't give two craps what they think, but back then I did. And so I ran to their household, where I was able to suppress it for 13 years, until uh, uh, last year when I was like, I was faced with one of two possibilities. I was faced with my life ending by my own hand, or I was just gonna wither away in front of my game console. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And I think the hardest part was coming out to myself at first to finally admit it, just let it all out. And then it just, went from there. So what were the next steps you took after you came out to yourself? Uh, the, after I came out to myself, my first step was I started, uh, I started buying uh, uh, women's underwear. I started with the panties, of course. And then it just started building from there. Of course, I had to keep it all secret because I didn't want my grandparents finding out. I was afraid they'd showed me the hatch right then and there, and I wouldn't have been ready for it. Uh, so I kept it to myself for as long as I could, but by the end of April, uh, I had finally told another, I told two people that I could trust. I told uh, my middle brother, Matthew, and his uh, common-law wife. Uh, her name is, uh, her name's Liz. Uh, though she prefers to go by the name of Byron because she is a closeted trans man uh, who lives in the mother-in-law loft of her ultra-conservative parents' house in Hamilton, Alabama. And then after that, it started getting a little easier to come out to people. Uh, I then came out to my advisor at the university. I started talking to a counselor on campus. I talked to another one of my friends. I think the hardest person I came out to was my was my mother. Uh, she seemed to take it all right, but I could tell she was struggling with it. And even before I moved away from Alabama and came to New York City, uh, she just wanted to distance herself from me as much as she could. Even though now, to hear her talk about it, she's like, we're not upset with you over your, over your choices. And I'm thinking, you think this was a choice? This was not a choice. This was life or death. But now she wants to reconnect now that I'm 2,000 miles away. Rest of the fam, my father was indifferent over it. Uh, but, with, but towards the end was trying to encourage me to put everything back into the closet to basically close Pandora's box, if you will, just to please everybody else. Uh, because living in my, living in the uh, Miles household down in Alabama was like, it was a lot like living in the Soviet Union, uh, service to the state before service to the self. 
with my grandmother being like uh, acting like the Joseph Stalin of the family, uh, where everything revolved around her. What she spilt, spewed was law, essentially. So, what um, steps did you take to leaving? Because that's is that true that that was kind of the next step, or was there more in between? I'm missing. After I had my falling out with my grandparents back in June of last year over uh, our definitions of family loyalty, I moved out of my grandparents and moved in with my father, uh, who was, of course, indifferent at the time because it was, as a matter of fact, it was that day that I came out to him as a trans woman. And he, he just says, he just said, it is what it is. That's how I knew he was mainly indifferent Basically, he didn't want to get involved in it. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to let the matter be. Mm -hmm. I lived with my father and stepmother for roughly five months. And I actually left twice. The first time I left, I, I actually set out on foot. I uh, just packed what I could and left. And I, I stayed with my brother and sister-in-law for a few days and then when they were encouraging me to go back to living with my father and stepmother on the uh, terms of survival as they put it I just couldn't take it I left a I left a goodbye note and set out on foot I ended up I walked what seemed like for miles until I was picked up by a nice gentleman that took me all the way to Russell. I was in Hamilton at the time. And uh, after he dropped me off, I stayed at a local Walmart for a little while, uh, gathered a few things, and then uh, started walking north, heading towards uh, Florence, essentially. And then a lady and her two companions uh, picked me up uh, just outside of Littleville, uh, Alabama, which was a good... I'd say five to ten miles north of uh, Russell, and uh, took me all the way to Florence, uh, where I ended up at another Walmart where I bought some uh, food rations, uh, and stayed stayed around there because I was tired uh, for a few hours, and then set up set out at about three in the morning. The next uh, the next three hours, I actually walked fifteen miles from Florence to a small little town whose name escapes me right now and stayed at a McDonald's for a couple of hours and then turned north towards the Tennessee border. I ended up going all the way to Nashville. Uh, half of it on foot, half of it uh, by being picked up on the side of the road by people. And then uh, when I couldn't take it anymore, I just uh, I called my father to come and get me. Ended up moving back, going back home for two weeks where I had enough of their bullcrap again, and then I set out and never returned. I ended up moving in with my cousin in Tuscaloosa in, at the end of October, uh, just a few days before Halloween. I stayed with her for about a month until she kicked me off her couch because she was incredibly territorial. And then I moved in with a, little, with a family in Montgomery, Alabama. I stayed there until the end of January where I found myself uh, crawling into the same situation that I was in when I left my dad and stepmother's house. I was either just going, I was just becoming a recluse again. 
uh, either crawling into their son's uh, PlayStation 4 or just sequestering myself in my room, not speaking to anybody. Uh, so the mother, the, the lady of the household, gave me a choice. Uh, either pack up and get out of her house uh, by the end of the day, or if I packed my stuff up very quickly, she would pay for me a ticket to come to New York City to get me out of the state. I had my stuff packed within the hour. She bought me the first bus ticket to come to New York. And that's how I arrived here at the end of January of this year. And since, what have you been, have you been up to? Mainly just uh, finally getting right with myself, being more comfortable, especially going out as who I am rather than worrying about what every Tom, Dick, and Harry thinks. Uh, I've, I'm in better position right now than I was when I left Alabama. Since Alabama's a red state, especially when it was still under the Obama administration, they never expanded Medicaid, so I had no health insurance. My last job down there, they actually fired me because I came out as a trans woman. Not by the management, by the owner, which is perfectly legal for them to do down there in Alabama. Ever, ever since, it was, hard, it was very difficult finding work because nobody wanted to hire a queer, as they put it, down there. Which, every time I heard that, that just made my blood boil. Excuse me. But uh, here, I've, I've got Medicaid. I'm now on, I'm now on hormone therapy. I'm finally becoming the person that I always saw in my mind and in the mirror versus what my ultra-conservative grandparents, what their image of me should have been. So I feel much better since I'm here getting right with myself versus living in their supposed ideal life. Yeah. What kind of community have you found here? We're in Sage right now, so. Um. Let's see. Uh, I've found a f I've made quite a few friends, uh, especially at the shelter that I'm staying at now. Uh, when I first came to New York, I really didn't know anybody at all. Uh, I'm I stayed at a drop-in center here in Midtown uh, for about a month and a half, but got tired of that because I had to take everything of mine with me, and it was nothing but chairs like these to sleep in every night uh, but mainly for the first month or so I was hanging around the uh, uh, LGBT community center down on 13th street uh, got to know a few people there uh, not many but a few now I stay at the help women center in, uh, out in Brooklyn and uh, uh, I'm one of the handful of uh, trans women that are there but I've met some very cool people uh, who were very accepting of me, uh, regardless of the fact that I still have a... But uh, 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 let's just say if anybody messed with me, they're messing with them. And uh, basically watch out because hell's coming five steps behind them. And you don't want to get mowed under. Um, and what has it been like to be seen here? Do you feel more visible as a trans person? 
I do. I feel more comfortable, a little more open, uh, more at ease, at peace. Now I've just run out of adjectives. Um, and then I'm also wondering if growing up in a red state, did you have any role models? Did you have anyone, you know, kind of leading the way for you to understand transness, or was it all on you? It was all on me. Uh, I can count on one hand uh, how many people I knew personally that were trans. One. And that wasn't me. Uh, it was actually, uh, she was actually a friend of mine from junior high school. Uh, uh, back then, uh, she, w she had not come out as a trans woman. She was uh, uh, she was gay. She was a gay man at the time, uh, who went by the name of Ray. And then uh, the only odd encounter I ever had with her uh, was when I was working a job in 2006. I was between semesters at university during my first college career, and uh, uh, I was working at a call center in Winfield, Alabama. And uh, all I know was. Uh, I was in the restroom. Uh, of course, uh, there was only two restrooms at the time, a men's restroom and a women's restroom. And uh, like I said, and this is long before I ever came out. Uh, I was, uh, I had just finished washing my hands and was drying them when uh, a woman walks right past me in the men's room and goes straight for a stall and is standing at the toilet. I'm like, I just had, I had to do a double take. I'm like, I'm like, was that a woman walking past me? But then I decided to put it, put it out of my mind at the moment. And then as I was walking back to my workstation, uh, I was like, wait a minute. That person's face looked familiar. Why do I know that face? But I, I'm like, nah, it couldn't have been. I thought it was somebody else that's just, that looked just like, just like him. It wasn't until I reconnected with her and told her that exact story that she told me that that was her. I'm like, and my, I, my jaw just dropped to the floor. And I'm like, that was you? And then when she found out about, when I came out to her about myself, uh, we reconnected because my stepmother was working at a uh, gas station in uh, Natural Bridge, Alabama at the time. And uh, now, her name is Rayleigh, uh, and uh, uh, she was a regular customer at that gas station, and my stepmother had told Rayleigh about me, did not give a name, but then I had an impromptu phone call with her, uh, arranged by my stepmother, and uh, we got to talking, and I told her who I was, and she's like, oh my god. You're my friend from junior high school. I'm like, that's me. Because we had the same friends, and when I was in, I was in junior high school, she was in high school at the time. Uh, and, but we had the same group we run around with, it, and we went to church together uh, when we were in high school. So that's how we knew each other. So now, but that was yeah, after I after right. I came out that I reconnected. Right, with her. right. 
Are you she still was in touch? Uh, sporadically. Uh, she's going through some problems of her own. Uh, 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 she's, she's married to her husband, and uh, uh, he has bipolar disorder. So uh, they're, they kind of retreat to the sticks, as it were. Uh, plus, she has a bit of the anxiety around people. So she's one of those that kind of hates people, but works in a retail environment. So she tries to stay out of sight as much as possible, but every now and then she'll contact me, uh, usually by either by text message or Facebook Messenger, whichever one she tends to find me on. Yeah, so now that you're in New York, um, have you built more of a community around other trans people? A little, uh, not much. Uh, uh, right now, the main ones that I have contact with, other than the uh, fine people of my theater group, uh, there's uh, my girlfriend, Zoe, uh, who is also a, uh, a trans woman. Uh, she's a trans woman from Chile. Uh, we actually met about, say, about a month, month and a half ago. Uh, she had just left her college career out in, out in Long Island and did not know where to turn. Uh, I ended up uh, taking her to the, uh, I was staying at the drop-in center here in Midtown at the time and I took her there with me so she can have a place to go for the night. And uh, we just, we bonded from that point on and uh, uh, we, for a long time, we were inseparable. Uh, but now she has her own place in Brooklyn, and I actually am living uh, uh, within two miles of her place, so it's not that hard for me to just get up, get up and go walk to her apartment. And then there's my friend Layla, who, who uh, now she's also, she was, had a similar situation that I was in, uh, where she didn't come out until later in life. Uh, she's about 10 years older than I am. So she's a recent coming out too, just like I am. Though I'm a bit ahead of the curve, as it were, since I'm on hormone therapy, she's still deciding whether to go through it or not, through the hormone therapy, or just remain a, and I hate the term, cross-dresser the, for the time being. But, uh, but uh, she found me one day at the, uh, at the uh, community center there on 13th. And I was, I was in tears essentially because I was alone. Uh, nobody wanted to talk to me, despite me just I was just sitting there, uh, looking at stuff on my phone. And everybody would just walk right past me, and I'd just be looking around at all the, the people who were happy, and it drove me to tears, to depression, because I felt so isolated and alone, even in a crowd. And then she found me standing there with tears running down the side of my face, and she came up and introduced herself and asked me what's wrong and started talking to me. I think she became the first real friend that I made up here. And we talk regularly, we've talked regularly ever since, either in person or uh, on Facebook, or if, I, if I'm out of data, we uh, message each other back and forth. And who else are you close with here? Uh, right now, they're, let's see, right now they're the primary two. Uh, 
there's a couple people I, I talk to uh, at the uh, shelter that I stay at right now. Uh, uh, they're both cis women. Uh, their names are uh, Tanisha and uh, Evie are their names. Uh, Evie's a 50-year-old uh, uh, Puerto Rican woman with an attitude to match who sort of reminded me of my uh, maternal aunt from back home. Uh, and we've kind of become uh, big sister, little sister. Uh, her being the big sister, me being the little sister. She, she's kind of like become my guardian, as it were. And then uh, Tanisha really took a shine to me because, uh, uh, and, and she is a trans ally uh, for more than one reason. Uh, main, her main reason for being a trans ally is not only because of me, but uh, uh, she has a daughter named uh, Chrissy, who used to be her son. So she's uh, been through it with somebody in her family, very close to her in her family. So she kind of sees me as a, a return to that, uh, nurturing uh, somebody who's transitioning uh, and well on their way into transition. Um, how do you see yourself in this moment of the LGBTQ moment, the movement? Uh, I don't really quite know how to answer that because usually I'm not the activist type. I'm the kind of like the one that's kind of hanging back in the background, uh, just trying to. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to serve. I'm just trying to just get through day to day. I'm not. I know it's important that we stay the course, as it were, but uh, right now I'm just trying to live day to day and trying not to get involved in the politics of it. I've had enough politics from home to last a lifetime, especially with the fact that most of my, that pretty much, I'd say about a good 99% of the family is all Republicans, and they would rather see our community burn than uh, to to get acceptance. And it, it just kills me that that happens, but then again, most of our families in their senior years, so good luck getting them to change their minds. <clears throat> but for the moment, I'm just trying to, just making it from day to day. Yeah. And what do you, what is your day to day like? Mainly, I'm just uh, trying to find work, uh, just progressing as best I can. Right now, the main things are I'm trying to find work, I'm trying to get public assistance, and I'm trying to get my name changed, which that one is well on its way right now because uh, I have a law firm that's representing me pro bono in uh, getting my name changed. They've ordered my birth certificate. It's here. Uh, I should be hearing something as early as next week about maybe getting everything finally started in the courts. And then I've tried public assistance, but uh, they denied me because I didn't have a birth certificate. And either my family back home had the birth certificate and were lying to me about it so they, because they probably sniffed out what I was going to do with it and they were holding it hostage essentially or they lost it somewhere, I don't know. And not having the money to be able to afford to order it myself was a very sharp pain in the butt 
which is why it's ha it's taken me so long just to order a single document because it's hard to do when you don't have money. And finding a job, it's been really difficult. But it's finding a job in New York so much different than it is down in Alabama. Like, uh, I, I still, I find it strange that uh, just, just to even get a pedestrian job, they still want a resume. And I'm like, Back home, we don't even need resumes just for a pedestrian job. Uh, just for like, like see a help wanted sign on a, on a, on a storefront window. Uh, back home, you just walk in like say, hey, I saw your help wanted sign, I want an application. That's it, they just, you just fill out the application and that's it. They don't need a resume. The only jobs that needed resumes back home were uh, uh, if you were going for those uh, hoity-toity uh, uh, high-paying corporate jobs. Uh, usually if you were just going to like work in a retail store or work at a gas station all you had to do was fill out an application and that was it but here it's so much different uh, you have to not only fill out that application but you gotta have a resume to go with it resume cover letter and all that stuff and they want you to go to the job in professional dress whereas back home for a pedestrian job you just go in with a t-shirt and a pair of blue jeans and that's it uh, but it's also been difficult with having to put my legal name on the uh, applications. And when they see the application, they see a male name, and then I come in dressed as a female, and uh, half the time they're like, oh? Like, did I miss something here? Yeah, and that's only a handful of times. Uh, most of the time they made it to where it's more uh, trans-friendly applications, but there's still a lot of applications that are, that are still sticking with the gender binary, and that makes it very difficult, especially when you, have, when you still have to use a masculine uh, legal name to apply for jobs. Yeah, and so in this moment of transition of your life, mm -hmm. um, what are you holding on to that's helping you move through it? My love of science fiction. And I'll tell you why. Uh, science fiction, I think I was gravitated to it, first of all, because of all the pretty lights and everything when I was a kid, but it's really what drove me to becoming more of an intellectual versus somebody that's more into athletics. Uh, it drove me to science and math versus being a jock, as it were. And it drove me to doing very well. But especially with coming out as a trans woman, uh, seeing science fiction, especially Star Trek for that matter, uh, it presented to me the possibilities of being in a, uh, in a society that's, that's free and open and doesn't care what's between your lips or what color your skin is or uh, or however you are from wherever you are uh, where everybody can just come together and uh, just be people rather than just seeing gender or race or anything like that. Yeah. Not to mention the technology on top of that. That's just icing on the cake, though. Yeah. 
That was really beautiful. Um, that This is feeling like we're kind of heading towards the end, so if there's anything you wanted to fill in, if you've thought of anything while talking about your life, now would be a great time. Uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. If there's anything else you want to add... Um, Live long and prosper. (laughs) Perfect. All right, let me stop the recording.